everyone, welcome to God's Plan, Your Part, Year 2, where this year we're reading through and studying the entire New Testament, one chapter at a time. Thanks again for joining us in discovering God's plan and your part in it. Today, we are looking at Matthew 26, and we are literally going to fulfill a prophecy of Jesus on this podcast. You might think that sounds a little bit strange, (laughs) uh, but it is 100% true. I think we should clear the air before we continue on about this. We are going to fulfill prophecy. I mean, we definitely are. It's awkward if you just let that linger. But at the beginning of the chapter, they're talking about how Jesus is basically being what I think prepared for what is to come. And this is referring to the instance where there's a woman who um, uses this very expensive perfume to basically wash Jesus' feet with. I'll tell you something interesting about that very expensive perfume. Um, the the monetary value of the very expensive perfumes, the anointing, whatever, was about a year's wages. So she's using essentially about a year's worth of money. And then just a couple verses later, um, Jesus is essentially like sold into betrayal by Judas for 30 pieces of silver, which was about four months wages. Hmm. Just to put like the money context, in this yeah. chapter in context, she's dumping about a year's worth and Judas is betraying for about four months worth. Mm-hmm. So it's, it is, it is really like interesting. A third of that. So anyway, this caught my attention as Ryan was reading and I put a little star in it because I was like, oh my goodness, how have I missed this before? But the last verse of that little chunk of scripture in verse 13, it says, Truly I say to you, wherever this gospel is proclaimed in the world, in the whole world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. So there's the prophecy fulfilled. So here we are, like talking about this gospel, and we're talking about the significance of this woman to this day Mm -hmm. in memory of her because of this, like, pretty crazy at the time thing that she did Mm -hmm. uh we know from the other gospels this is most likely mary the sister of martha um we also know that judas does not like this at all uh there is a pretty compelling argument to be made that the the whole reason the value is brought up like oh my word why are we letting her do this we could have used this for the poor is most likely i'm not saying 100 percent, but most likely because judas uh, wanted to keep that money for himself. So he's actually mm-hmm. like like um, calling her out out of selfishness, out of like fake concern for the mm-hmm. poor. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she is doing this act out of obedience and worship of Jesus. It's possible that she's declaring that she completely understands what's about to happen yeah. because she's using this expensive uh, perfume, this ointment that is used for dressing dead bodies. So the whole scene is is really odd, but it is possible that she's like, I know what's going to happen. I'm going to worship you in this way while you're still with us. So you have this person who's being obedient in worship and this other person who's like feigning religious obedience and he's actually a devil. I can call mm-hmm. him a devil because I think Jesus calls him that. Um, Yikes. But it's it's just really interesting. It's It's really interesting to see that even in Jesus' immediate circle, first of all, I mean, Judas is going to betray Jesus. That's one of his 12 disciples. Even in Jesus' immediate circle, there are people who are obediently worshiping him in expensive and costly ways. Mm -hmm. And also people that are like, can you believe that that just happened? That is crazy. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So that caught my attention from the reading early on. But then as we go through this chapter, it's pretty crazy how many of these different prophecies that either Jesus like directly like mentions in this chapter or have been mentioned prior 
that come true. So the first one after after the perfume incident is when Jesus is talking about Peter's denial. And I think it can easily get overlooked, uh, but he talks to Peter about how he's going to deny him three times. But right before that, he says, after I am raised up, so he's referring to after he dies, I will go before you to Galilee. And I think I have missed that so many times in the past, but like these disciples are like, they're probably super confused Like, what are you talking about being raised up? And like, next, why are we going to see you in Galilee? But that is exactly what Jesus does after he is raised from the dead. He goes out, he talks to the disciples at Galilee. And that is, I think that's just so crazy and easily missed because we're so usually distracted by what is going to happen with Peter. It's powerful. Jesus is constantly now, I mean, there's only 28 chapters in Matthew where this is chapter 26. So there's not much left to read. And Jesus is just constantly proclaiming like, this is coming, this is going to happen. Mm-hmm. And he's being more blatant with it. He's being more explicit with it. Um, it, it is definitely powerful. I was just going to say, uh, we like to get together with friends and watch like funny, weird, like mystery movies, like once every year. And it, there's always like these, the four guys that are with us, like when we're watching these movies, they like always go back like, oh man, do you remember? Like that was at the beginning. I can't imagine the types of reactions that the, despite, the disciples will have or would have had once this actually occurred. Like, oh my word, do you remember when he was talking about Peter? And he was saying that he was going to like come and talk to us in Galilee and we had no clue what he meant. This is what he was talking about. Like, I can't imagine what that would feel like um, because I think they're probably like, well, of course, like you just hang on every word Jesus says because you just never know what's actually like what he's actually meaning or what is actually real or true. Because <laughs> sometimes it's like, is this a story or is this going to happen in real yeah. life? And I just think those interactions and those tiny little things that he says like can easily be missed but are so critical and important. I'll tell you what's really powerful next is that Jesus goes out into Gethsemane with his disciples mm-hmm. and Jesus is extremely distraught. Um, we find out in one of the gospels that he's basically like crying and sweating blood, which like he's just very oh overwhelmed. And we can see here that the human side of him, remember that Jesus is always 100% human, 100% God. The human side of him is like, God, Father, like if there is anything that can be done to get me out of this situation, like I would love if we could do that. But also I want to be completely obedient to your will. And he does this three times. But what got my attention reading over this is that poor Jesus is out here taking his disciples, asking them to watch over them over him. And he's out there praying, asking like God to take this cup from him. And his disciples just keep falling asleep. Like he goes out and prays and comes back to his disciples and they're asleep. He goes out and prays, comes back to his disciples and they're asleep. I think there's an interesting correlation to Matthew 25 with that parable of the 10 virgins where Jesus is like, Hey, there were these 10 virgins and five of them took enough where they were present. Like they had enough oil to be present for the bridegroom when he came. And there were five of them that didn't have enough oil and they were foolish and they were missing um, the, like they were, they missed the bridegroom when he came. I do wonder if some of what Jesus was talking about has to do with these, these disciples just continually falling asleep. Like it seems like he has told them explicitly, watch and pray, like be awake, 
be prepared. We've had so many parables recently, if you've been tracking with us, about being prepared, being watchful, being ready, and here we have the disciples just continually falling asleep. There is a much bigger message in all those parables to all of us today to be watchful, to be prepared. But I do wonder if some of those stories were directed at the disciples and they didn't even realize it Mm -hmm. because they are in the moment that he's been talking about to some degree and they, they totally miss it. They're all asleep. Well, and what's crazy too is that Jesus, like you had mentioned, Jesus is sweating blood. And like the extreme rarity of that is like, it's out of this world. Like that doesn't just happen. It is brought on by extreme anxiety and stress of like whatever is like taunting you. And to think that Jesus was in this much anguish and all they could do was just sleep or at the same time after he's... After he's been betrayed, if you look at verse 56, the last uh, verse of that section of Jesus being arrested, it says, then all the disciples left him and fled. Yeah. Like, what? So I don't know. I I think, too, part of maybe Jesus' anguish and his inability to, like, not sweat blood and be crying out to God is because he may have known those things about the disciples too, like knowing yeah, that these men are... He definitely does. He's yeah. definitely aware of all things. And so this is this is obviously a heavy, stressful time. And it is disappointing that the disciples not only continue to fall asleep, um, but also then run away. Yes. Uh, before they run away, there is this scene where Ju- Judas finally shows up and the, like he has led... Like essentially, like the the leaders, the chief priests, the elders, everybody they, who's out for him. They have a Roman contingent with them. They have arrived to arrest Jesus. I the, the the whole kiss thing is really interesting because Jesus has been out preaching and teaching in public for a long time. So I don't know that there's anybody that's confused as to who Jesus is. You would think he would have like a pretty public persona at this point. Well, in our study Bibles, when it refers to the word kiss, it says this is a customary way for friends in ancient Israel to greet one another. And now it means, I mean, think about mm-hmm. think about uh, the Godfather. It's yeah. a sign of betrayal now. Yeah, it's like but the end. I think it may have just been his way of greeting the one who was to be taken. I mean, this is in the middle of the night supposedly also yes. yeah it is so also we see peter who's been falling asleep constantly like jump up with a sword and try to take on this whole <laughs> contingent of soldiers and leaders um we do know that uh peter we, we know it's peter from the other gospels it doesn't say that explicitly in matthew uh, but he cuts the ear off of this dude named malchus that's listed in one of the other gospels and mm-hmm. jesus like miraculously heals his ear which is just another incredible miracle of jesus mm-hmm. essentially telling them like hey this is not this is not how we rule this kingdom. We're not doing stuff with swords. We're leading a spiritual kingdom. This is God's kingdom. It works differently. And so he heals the ear and hands himself over, which is right. a total upside down kingdom kind of thing to do. Mm-hmm. Like Jesus rules his kingdom by dying, not by killing. Uh, and I think I, I think about that often. What a incredible, uh, powerful, Example. strange thing to do. It's so backwards that Jesus' kingdom works uh, by dying to self, not by killing others. And we are constantly surrounded by kingdoms and nations that love to rule and reign by killing others. others, Um, But Christians honor Christ by being willingly wronged. And that is what's going on here with Jesus. Obviously, there's a lot more going on here with Jesus because Jesus has to give his life up so that he can be the sacrifice for our sins. 
And this is Peter again trying to interrupt and get in the way of that. You can remember where he said, get behind me, Satan. Uh, here, Peter just still <laughs> hasn't gotten the message. Well, at the end of this little section, after Jesus is arrested, um, he's talking to the men who are arresting him. So in verse 55, what's really interesting at the end of this little section is it says, At that hour, Jesus said to the crowds, Have you come out as against a robber with swords and clubs to capture me? Day after day, I sat in the temple teaching, and you did not seize me. But all this has taken place that the scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled. Um, what's crazy about this is... He, He's like showing them just how sovereign God is. He's like, I was in these like open places where you could have easily taken me away, but you didn't because you did not have the power um, or the authority or even the choice to take me then because God is sovereign and the scriptures had to be fulfilled that you would come and take me away in this way basically fulfill what was said about me a long time ago. And there are incredibly specific scriptures that he's referring to. He doesn't explicitly refer to them here, but you can, for extra credit, go look at Psalm 22, Isaiah 53, Zechariah 12, and that's just three of them. But they are explicitly referring to like this suffering servant, this king that will give up um, what is rightfully his so that his kingdom can be moved forward. You should definitely check those out. Like definitely, um, if you're listening to the podcast to get as much out of this as you possibly can, check out these these uh, couple of verses. Again, Psalm 22, Isaiah 53, and Zechariah 12. So then we just kind of go into the end of the chapter here. Jesus is uh, basically denied by Peter. I don't know. Do you want to talk about anything with um, before the council? I, I think a huge thing, um, I don't necessarily have much to say about before the council, um, other than this has been prophesied before. Like, mm -hmm. they're rejecting him, they're slapping him, they're spitting on him, they're mocking him. Like, all this has been prophesied before. Mm -hmm. um, and, and this is also, like, the stories that we're probably, if you've been around church for a long time, pretty used to hearing about. Like, they are rejecting Jesus. Yeah, so that part... We kind of like, I don't know, we're flying through that a little bit, but I think what's important is to um, continue to think about Peter and what he does at the end of this chapter. So Peter, again, denies Jesus those three times. And I think just as like a friend and close friend, I guess, of Jesus, at the very end of this, remembering that Jesus said this about him, I can't imagine the amount of just like rejection that I would have like feeling towards Jesus. Like, oh my word, here's like one of my best friends being taken away and I'm pretending like I don't know who he is. And that is exactly what Jesus told me I would do. Like, I don't know, the amount of pressure and just like overwhelming sadness that would come over me, I don't know that I would be able to deal with very well. Here's the incredible thing about that little section. And I think this is the your part for today. Jesus already told Peter that he is going to deny Jesus three times. And Peter's like, no, I won't do that. But he does. Mm -hmm. Like he does. And he does it very quickly in succession. It's obvious what's going on. And that's to Jesus' face. Exactly. And what's amazing is that Peter is forgiven for that because God is gracious and merciful and long-suffering and loves to give us every opportunity we possibly can to follow him. Peter is not some goofy schlub in Christian history. Peter goes on to do quite a bit for the honor and glory of Christ to empower the kingdom and move the gospel forward. When Peter is indwelt by the Holy Spirit, he's a totally different person. Mm -hmm. And so it is a really valuable thing to realize that Peter was not a great guy. He's constantly messing up. He's constantly missing the mark. And yet, 
Jesus forgives him. We will see Jesus like restore him. Jesus will essentially tell him, feed my sheep, feed my sheep, feed my lambs. Like Jesus is going to empower Peter um, to be the leader that he's called him to be in spite of the fact that he's denied him three times. Now that does not give us license to go around denying Jesus. That would be foolish. But it is something that reveals the character of God that he is gracious and merciful and long-suffering, and he forgives us. So please know that about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He forgives you. He's gracious. He's merciful. He loves you. But don't reject him and use that mm-hmm. as a license to, to continue a life of sin. Like, pursue a life that honors Christ. That's what we want you to do. We'll be back again tomorrow looking at Matthew 27. We'll see you then. Thanks for joining today's episode of God's Plan, Your Part. As always, please consider partnering with us as we are a listener-supported podcast that we hope to continue to grow with support from listeners just like you. We've made it super easy to partner with us, and you can support us by following the link in our show notes or our description. You can support us with as little as $3 a month. Every little bit of this helps so much, and we're so thankful for your support. With that in mind, here's today's reading. Matthew chapter 26. When Jesus had finished all these sayings, he said to his disciples, You know that after two days the Passover is coming, and the Son of Man will be delivered up to be crucified. Then the chief priests and the elders of the people gathered in the palace of the high priest, whose name was Caiaphas, and plotted together in order to arrest Jesus by stealth and kill him. But they said, Not during the feast, lest there be an uproar among the people. Now when Jesus was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, A woman came up to him with an alabaster flask of very expensive ointment, and she poured it on his head as he reclined at the table. And when the disciples saw it, they were indignant, saying, Why this waste? For this could have been sold for a large sum and given to the poor. But Jesus, aware of this, said to them, Why do you trouble the woman? For she has done a beautiful thing to me. For you always have the poor with you, but you will not always have me. In pouring this ointment on my body, she has done it to prepare me for burial. Truly, I say to you, wherever this gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Then one of the twelve, whose name was Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priests and said, What will you give me if I deliver him over to you? And they paid him thirty pieces of silver. And from that moment he sought an opportunity to betray him. Now on the first day of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus, saying, Where will you have us prepare for you to eat the Passover? He said, Go into the city to a certain man and say to him, The teacher says, My time is at hand. I will keep the Passover at your house with my disciples. And the disciples did as Jesus had directed them, and they prepared the Passover. When it was evening, he reclined at the table with the twelve. As they were eating, he said, Truly I say to you, one of you will betray me. And they were very sorrowful and began to say to him one after another, Is it I, Lord? He answered, He who has dipped his hand in this dish will betray me. The Son of Man goes, as it is written of him, but woe to that man whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been better for that man if he had not been born. Judas, who would betray him, answered, Is it I, Rabbi? He said to him, You have said so. Now as they were eating, Jesus took bread, and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to the disciples, and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. 
And when he had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Then Jesus said to them, You will all fall away because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. Peter answered him, Though they all fall away because of you, I will never fall away. Jesus said to him, Truly I tell you, this very night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Peter said to him, Even if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And all the disciples said the same. Then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, Sit here while I go over there and pray. And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, My soul is very sorrowful even to death. Remain here and watch with me. And going a little farther, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, My father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, So could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again for the second time he went away and prayed, My father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. And again he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy. So leaving them again, he went away and prayed for the third time, saying the same words again. Then he came to the disciples and said to them, Sleep, and take your rest later on. See, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, My betrayer is at hand. While he was still speaking, Judas came, one of the twelve, and with him a great crowd with swords and clubs from the chief priests and the elders of the people. Now the betrayer had given them a sign, saying, The one I will kiss is the man. Seize him. And he came up to Jesus at once and said, Greetings, Rabbi. And he kissed him. Jesus said to him, Friend, do what you came to do. Then they came up and laid hands on Jesus and seized him. And behold, one of those who were with Jesus stretched out his hand and drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. Then Jesus said to him, Put your sword back into its place, for all who take the sword will perish by the sword. Do you think that I cannot appeal to my father and he will at once send me more than twelve legions of angels? But how then should the scriptures be fulfilled, that it must be so? At that hour Jesus said to the crowds, Have you come out as against a robber with swords and clubs to capture me? Day after day I sat in the temple teaching, and you did not seize me. But all this has taken place, that scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled. Then all the disciples left him and fled. Then those who had seized Jesus led him to Caiaphas the high priest, where the scribes and the elders had gathered. And Peter was following him at a distance, as far as the courtyard of the high priest, and going inside, he sat with the guards to see the end. Now the chief priests and the whole council were seeking false testimony against Jesus, that they might put him to death, but they found none, though many false witnesses came forward. At last, two came forward and said, This man said, I am able to destroy the temple of God and to rebuild it in three days. And the high priest stood up and said, Have you no answer to make? What is it that these men testify against you? But Jesus remained silent. And the high priest said to him, I adjure you by the living God, tell us if you are the Christ, the Son of God. Jesus said to him, You have said so. But I tell you, from now on, 
you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power and coming on the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest tore his robes and said, He has uttered blasphemy. What further witnesses do we need? You have now heard his blasphemy. What is your judgment? They answered, He deserves death. Then they spit in his face and struck him, and some slapped him, saying, Prophesy to us, you Christ. Who is that that struck you? Now Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard, and a servant girl came up to him and said, You also were with Jesus the Galilean. But he denied it before them all, saying, I do not know what you mean. And when he went out to the entrance, another servant girl saw him, and she said to the bystanders, This man was with Jesus of Nazareth, and again he denied it with an oath. I do not know the man. After a little while, the bystanders came up and said to Peter, Certainly you too are one of them, for your accent betrays you. Then he began to invoke a curse on himself and to swear, I do not know the man. And immediately the rooster crowed. And Peter remembered the sayings of Jesus. Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of God's Plan, Your Part. Don't forget, you can find us on just about every social media platform and YouTube. Let us know what you thought of today's episode, and if you have any questions, go ahead and post them there. You can also reach out to us directly at godsplanyourpart at gmail.com. As always, if you don't have a Bible, or if you'd like to use the one that we use, uh, reach out to us via email, and we'll be happy to send one to you. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you again tomorrow.